Are you wandering in the wilderness? Or are you a voice in the wilderness? Welcome to the Revival Cry podcast. This is your host, Eric Miller. Isaiah 40 verse 3 says, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The goal of this podcast is to encourage you to use the voice God has given you to make Jesus famous. Every week, we will share principles from the Word of God, interviews, and encouragement in order to strengthen your voice. Thank you for joining me today. And now here is today's podcast. I'm grateful that you're here with us today. As you know, we've had some awesome interviews lately with uh, my friend Mike Bailey, who we listened to last week. And this next week, we have an even an even better friend, <laughs> uh, Joel, my buddy Joel, who's been a missionary in in Asia and and has done so much for the kingdom of heaven. And it's just awesome to be able to have him on here today. Joe, welcome, and thank you for being with us today. Well, thank you, Eric. I'm glad to get to share with you guys, and uh, it's good to see you again. It's good to see you, too. You know, Joel and I met in the Philippines, where we both served for many years. We met on the basketball court, if I remember correctly, right? That's right. That's right, Eric. I remember the first time I went and played with you guys. You know, this is all new to me. I was a new missionary in the Philippines at that time. And I remember just trying to figure out who you guys were. And I asked one of y'all, I said, you know what, what are you guys a mission organization or a church? And uh, this guy said, we believe that labels belong on cans. <laughs> so I didn't know what that meant. Cause you know, I was trying to figure out what was inside the can. That's why you look at the label. <laughs> but uh, the, the more I, the more I opened the can, the more I got to know you guys, I was just really impressed by your heart, your love for Jesus, your love for the word and uh, just the good fellowship we had playing basketball. It's so true, man. And we feel the exact same way. You know, Joel comes from more of a Baptist background, and we have more of a, a Pentecostal charismatic. But I'll tell you what, we have become such good friends. And I think people need to hear these things, Joel, because yeah. we we only talk about, you know, maybe what we believe sometimes or or communicate to people in our, uh, you know, in our zip code, so to say. And it's so wonderful. And, and honestly, to all our listeners today, I really want to encourage you to know that the kingdom of heaven is bigger than any denomination. It's bigger than any network or label. Like Joel just said, (laughs) the kingdom of heaven really is, is, amazingly huge around the world. There's so many nations, tribes, languages, cultures. And I think that's what we miss a lot of times because we grow up in certain circumstances and we are very familiar with our surroundings. And then, you know, when you go to the mission field, Joel, I'm sure you know all about this. You go there and everything's a little bit different than when, how, how you grew up, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely, Eric. And and I think that's one of the most beautiful things about missions. When, you know, when you meet other missionaries on the field and you see their heart and you see the bigger purpose for the kingdom of God, you know, our, our zip code, as you put it, or our little worlds, those are important. And we don't, you know, we can, we can live in those places and 
fellowship with those people. But you're right. The kingdom of God is much bigger. And uh, and in the mission field, you know, when we're, our focus is outside the walls of our little church or our little group, uh, bigger purposes. Um, that's one thing I really love, the fellowship and the unity of purpose uh, that we have on the field. So. Amen. And it's it's so unique on the mission field because you really meet so many different people. You You know, missionaries tend to you know, congregate together and uh, connect. I mean, obviously we all have our own responsibilities and works. That's the reason why we're there, but yet it's really good to, you know, have lunch, play basketball, coffee together. And we've done a lot of that in our time together in the Philippines. And one of the things I have so appreciated about you, Joel, and your wife, your family is your love for, for Muslims. And it was so amazing to me the first time I remember asking you to come share at our fire school ministry, Philippines uh, chapel. And I remember you sharing your heart and just weeping for Muslims. And I know that it wasn't for any other reason, except that you deeply love these people and I want, we're going to get into some of those things in a moment, but I want people to understand who Joel is, maybe a little bit of your testimony, you know, sure. you know, talk about some of your education and experience, because I want people to understand that doing what we do on the mission field, there's a lot that goes into it, but it's really the heart that God has changed in our lives. and what we do with it, you know, it may look and sound differently, but yet when we carry that heart for souls and for making disciples, that's really what, what it's about. Tell us about your testimony, Joel. What, yeah. what did God do in your life? Yeah, sure. Um, I grew up in the church. My father was a pastor. Uh, so I've been in church my whole life, but I'll never forget. It was, I was real young. In uh, 1983, I was watching the news one evening with my parents, um, and there was actually, we were in uh, Louisiana at that time, and there was a news feature on the Philippines. Senator Aquino was assassinated on the, at the airport in 1983, and uh, you know, I'm a little kid. I don't know who he is or what's happening. I don't right. understand the politics involved, but I remember asking my parents, after that man died, where did he go? Did he wow. go to heaven or go to hell? And, uh, you know, my parents didn't know the sender in the Philippines, but my parents explained very simply, if he knew Jesus, if he trusted Jesus with his life, he would be in heaven. And if yeah. not, he wouldn't. And uh, that really started getting me asking questions. I didn't understand a lot. I mean, I was real young, but I understand that Jesus loved me. I understood that I was a sinner and that if I followed him and accepted him and made him my Lord, that uh, he would take away my sin and give me a relationship with God. And it was really that simple. Wow. Um, so, you know, it wasn't as I, you know, as I was a teenager and I grew up, I would sometimes question that. But as I reflect then and now, you know, the gospel is not complicated. And, uh, and, and the Bible's very clear on what it is to be a believer. And, um, and so that's what I did. You know, I, like I said, I grew up in church. My father was a pastor and, you know, I was a, I was a youth, um, and one Sunday, we had a missionary come in and speak to our church. I don't remember who he was. I don't remember 
where he served. But I remember this missionary talking about something he called a UPG. Now, what is a UPG? Eric, I'd never heard of that. Right. You know, the missionary explained that a UPG means an unreached people group. Okay. What's that mean? This missionary explained that, you know, there's people groups or ethnic groups, groups of people in the world who, uh, who it's not that they'd rejected Christ. They'd never heard the truth about Christ. Places where they'd never heard the gospel. They'd never heard the truth about Jesus. And even as a teenager, Eric, I thought, you know, I was thinking, how many churches did I pass on my way to church? When I went to right. church that morning, how many other churches? You know, you got your Baptist, your Assembly of God, your Charismatic, your Methodist, uh, all kinds of churches. Praise God. And we need a lot more churches here in the States. Sure. But there are places in the world where there were no churches. And uh, there's an old preacher named Oswald Smith, and he's, he has a quote where he says, Is it fair that some people hear the gospel twice? when others have never heard the gospel once. Right. Now I think how many times do we hear the gospel a week, you know, in church and yeah. music and our Bible study fellowship with other believers. That's good. And praise God it's beautiful every time we hear it, but there's many people who've never heard. So I didn't know what all that meant. You know, I was a teenager, but I just remember that conviction. And uh, I remember praying, God, I don't know what it means uh, to go, but I'll go. I don't know where, I don't know how, I don't know. I don't know anything, but yeah, um, but I'll go. Wow, and uh, that never really left. I think it's really awesome that there was a seed sown in your heart, even through the assassination of Aquino, yeah. and it being the Philippines. You know, it, you know, it, when we when people here in America give their life to the Lord, you know, we may not be thinking about the longevity of what that means and where God's taking us, but the Lord already knows our beginning and he knows our end. Yeah. And he not only knew that when you would surrender yourself to him that that day, that you would be inspired to go <laughs> to another nation, another people group and, and, and this stirring in your heart for unreached people groups to go reach those who have never heard the name of Jesus. I, I think it's just amazing how the Lord has plans and destiny for our lives. And, and I want to encourage our listeners that uh, you may be listening and wondering, I'm not really sure what God's will and plan is for my life. But listen, whether you've been doing it for 20 years or or been running away from it for the whole time, the fact is you can surrender your life today to Jesus and Amen. get on track with the Lord and begin to fulfill the plan that he has for your life. So, Joel, you met your wife. You you guys have built your family, a beautiful family. And how has God used you on the mission field? What have you, what have you seen the Lord do? Yeah, well, Eric, we've, we served 10 years in another um Muslim country in Southeast Asia. And now we've been in the Philippines about 10 years. And as I think back, I'm just really amazed. And God has been so good to us, um, better than we deserve. And, um, you know, our first seven years on the mission field, it was it was really tough. And we we didn't see a lot of fruit. And we were being faithful. We were, we were walking with the Spirit. We were praying. We were loving. We were sharing the gospel. And a uh, really, really kind of cool story. You know, I, with my, my mission, I have to 
fill out just a simple report once a year. And one of the questions were, how many churches did you plant this year? I hate right. that question because you know, for seven years on my computer, I put zero. Wow. And, you know, the next year, zero. And man, like, what are we doing? And but all we need to do was just to be continue to be faithful and um, and do what the Lord had called okay. us to do. So anyway, after seven years, Eric, we finally saw our first Muslims come to faith. And we wow. started a small, simple house church. And uh, praise God, because that year, you know, when it time to fill out the report, I didn't push zero. I pushed one. Come that on. was a good day. Amen. Yeah. That was a good day. But, Eric, we had a problem. It's about these are these these are a unreached people group that are have a reputation of being quite aggressive and quite violent. And uh, but anyway, they were they were legitimate believers. But after about seven weeks of them meeting together in a house church, we had a crisis because that Sunday uh, in the announcements time at church, they reported that one of their cousins had just been murdered wow. a few days previous. And now these people take that very seriously, of course. And so they said, you know, we have an announcement after church today. We have to go kill the guy who killed our cousin. And uh, so we were like, you know, I wasn't there, but my partner was my missionary partner. And so he starts sending me a text, Joel, you need to pray. I said, all right, what am I praying for? He said, Joel, they're about to kill somebody. I said, man, what are you talking about? He said, I can't text you now. I'll text you later. I'm like, no, 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 text me now. <laughs> what's that? What's happening? So anyway, that was the plan. And they, they had house church like normal. And um, after church, they said, all right, get your stuff together. We got to go kill this. Everybody's like, yeah, all right. And then praise God, Eric, someone said, you know, Filipinos and other people in Southeast Asia, they have a certain phrase. They'll say, uh, before we go kill this guy, one guy spoke up. We should probably, you know, it's kind of far. So we should pray for traveling mercies to go kill this guy. <laughs> and then everybody's like, yeah, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. We hadn't thought of that because these are new believers. And so they got together and they prayed for traveling mercies. And in the midst of their prayer, the Holy Spirit very clearly said, come on, you are. I have changed you. You wow. are different than you were before. You will forgive your enemy. You will love him. You will pray for him. And uh, and that's only the Holy Spirit. And thank that's God, amazing. because. Yeah, if they would have gone and killed that guy, I would have had to like delete the one on my report and push a zero. I, you know, you can't claim a church if they're running around killing people. Right. Um, but praise God, and we've you know we've seen. I believe when we talk about people groups like the Muslim people groups in the Philippines and and throughout Southeast Asia, they're unreached for a reason. Yeah. Some. And and, and I I really believe you know. One of my favorite verses of scripture, Eric, is Joel chapter 2, verse 32. Very simple. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Doesn't matter mm-hmm. if you're an American or Filipino or, or whatever. If you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. And we know Paul yeah. quotes that passage in Romans chapter 10. But then Paul also says, how can they call on the name of the Lord if they've never heard of him? And mm-hmm. how can they hear unless they're sent? And how, you know, to preach the gospel. So I believe... I really believe, Eric, we're seeing more and more Muslims come to faith because more and more Muslims are hearing the gospel. Wow. You know, we look at places like China today. China is seeing the greatest movement of God in world history. I mean, sure. we're, we estimate last Sunday, people estimate that maybe 100 million Christians worship God in China. In a place, and, and, you know, 50, 60 years ago, Eric, right. the Chinese communists had kicked out the missionaries. They had arrested the pastors. They shut down the churches. And a lot of people in America, we thought, 
the church is dead in China. The communism has wiped out the church. Yeah. And we see what God's doing today. You know, people say the same thing about Muslims. Islam is too hard. They're, they're anti-God. They're, they're, they're anti-His people. They're too yeah. hard. I don't believe it. I Come really on. believe if they hear the gospel, some of them will believe. If they yes. never hear, you're right. If they never hear the gospel, they're not going to believe. That's because it. It, takes, it takes us sharing. And uh, so I think, you know, Eric, one of, one of our missiological, one of our researchers in missions has said that in the last 40 years, more Muslims have come to faith in Jesus Christ than wow. the previous 1,400 years combined. It's incredible. Since Why? Why are in the last 40 years do we have more Muslims coming to faith? Because in the last 40 years, the church in the Philippines, in America, throughout the world, the church is loving Muslims for the first time. The church is praying for Muslims, praying with Muslims. The church is sharing the gospel with Muslims, mm. and Muslims are believing and it's not just in Southeast Asia. We're seeing it all over the world. And to me, it's a very, very exciting time. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, and we're seeing there is persecution. That is a reality. But the gospel, you know, the gates of hell will not stand against the gospel. That's us attacking hell. And I'm, yeah. I just I really see the Lord moving in a lot of ways. I'm really, really excited about it. You know, Joe, there's a couple things come to my mind there that you said. The first thing you you mentioned faithfulness mm-hmm. a little bit ago. And as I was just preparing to even do this interview today, I was reading First Corinthians 4 2 that moreover it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. And this thought came to my mind. You know, we want to figure out what the will of God is our for our life that faithfulness is God's will for our life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right. that if that if we'll just be faithful to knowing the Lord and making him known, however that looks, you know, whether you are working uh, at your job eight to five every day or a stay-at-home mom or a missionary on the other side of the world impacting unreached people groups, I, I just believe that that's what God's called us to. And I'm sure that people are listening going, wow, this is so incredible. What an incredible life to live and challenging. Mm-hmm. And friend, I'm not trying to just get people. And I don't think Joel is either to just be inspired and just drop everything and go to the field. I believe that unless you're faithful to the Lord and what he's called you to do now There'll be no reason for you to go overseas or or do something else that you dream about doing unless you begin with where you're at. Yeah. And you know, it, it's a blessing. I can think several years ago when we first moved to the Philippines that we're there and I really didn't know anything about missions or the Philippines. We just felt like that's where the Lord wanted us to go. Yeah. And we moved to the island of Mindanao. And I'm praying, and after being there some months, I'm thinking, Lord, why'd you send us here? There's there's missionaries here. There's churches here. Why didn't you send us somewhere else? And I had this vivid just picture in my mind where I saw a Bible, and the Bible was opened over Southeast Asia, over China, over Japan. And, And it was like God was saying that there's a, there's something that he's doing here in this moment, in this time in history that is going to move towards 
Israel. And I was trying to understand what this was about. And I started to realize that the gospel began in Israel, in Jerusalem, and that it will end there. And then coming into contact with hearing about the Back to Jerusalem movement from yeah. the Chinese church, I was a bit jealous, <laughs> thinking, well, <laughs> if these guys who were under persecution communism over 50 years ago and had no hope in sight are now seeing this incredible fruit of souls being saved, disciples being made, churches being planted, missionaries going out. Why can't we do that in the Philippines? And and so I you've probably heard of this before that really the gospels always move throughout history to the west and has gone around the world in that direction. We talk about unreached people groups, we're talking about the 1040 window, mm -hmm. a place that is where the majority of unreached people groups are in the world. One of the reasons why I believe God has you and I in the Philippines, besides reaching the Filipino people, is to raise up Filipino indigenous leaders that will go to countries that are either either closed to people like you and I, or uh, you know, you know, people have said that if you could send Filipinos, you can they can blend in so easy, they can learn language, they're a lot cheaper than sending Americans. <laughs> Uh, and, and anyhow, I really believe we're in a time and a season, just like what you said, that we could see the whole world be preparing for the second coming of Jesus yeah. as we're winning souls and making disciples. Let me ask you this, Joel. You know, we I referred to this in the beginning. We just have several minutes left here. But how can we work together in the body of Christ? You know, obviously, yeah. our relationship is has been such a blessing. Uh, you know, again, I, I've alluded to hearing your testimony and your teaching. Joel's written some books on these things. Maybe we could talk about how people can get some of those at the end. But, Joel, I love the fact that God has allowed you and I to run together in a certain level and way that, we're able to communicate to the greater body of Christ that, man, it doesn't matter the label. It's about what's inside, yeah. right? That's so, absolutely. Yeah. So I think you're, yeah, you're right. Eric. You know, I was, I was preaching at an assembly of God church um, several years ago and the pastor introduced me and he, as he talked to the congregation, he said, I want to warn you, our preacher this morning is Baptist, but <laughs> He's a Southern Baptist and they're the most charismatic of all the Baptists, which, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know if that's true or not, Eric. You know, I think as the body of Christ, whether you're Baptist or a charismatic Pentecostal or another group, you know, do you love Jesus? Do you love his word? Are you seeking to be faithful to what he's called you to do? Those are the important things. Amen. Um, just in my own observations, I think, I think the church all of us included, we really need each other. I've, one one quality I've seen in just in my experience, you know, a lot of the Baptists and the, and the Baptistic kind of groups were, were slow and we're steady. And sometimes we don't have much power, but we persevere. We stick to it long term, but we don't have that passion like we need. I've seen some of the charismatic groups in the same context and same cultures. They come in hot 
and fast and they yeah. do have that power and they do have that passion, but sometimes they burn out yeah. because things, you know, and, and so we need the perseverance, but Come we on. also need the passion. And those are some, just some of the little ways where, where when we were humble and said, Hey man, you know, I'm Baptist, but I don't, I don't know everything and you're charismatic and, you know, we can learn from each other. We can respect each other. We can be humble and willing to learn and grow. I think that really glorifies God. Amen. Yeah. You know, when you talk about, you know, you, you look at ministry and we know the Bible's clear. We're to love our enemies. We're supposed to love Muslims. We're supposed to love the church. Love is easy, but unfortunately, a lot of times in the church or even sometimes on the mission field, the problems we have is not loving the law. Our problems often come when we can't love our brothers in Christ. It's good. And, uh, and I think that's why Jesus talked about that. I pray that you will be one. Um, mm. Now, we can have I believe we can have our differences in in the way we understand gifts and the way we practice some of these things. That's OK. But we we are one in Christ. We have the same love for Jesus and his word. We're being faithful with what he has to do. And we're humble to say, you know, I don't know everything. And I need my brothers in Christ to sharpen me, to learn from. And, uh, you know, there was an old dead Lutheran. I don't know his name, but he said something that's often quoted. In the essentials of our faith, we have unity. In the non-essentials, we have liberty. We have freedom in the non-essential aspects of our faith. But in all things, we have charity, that we love our brother, that that's the most important thing. And so I know some Baptists that I will not work, that, that are very difficult to work with. I won't say I won't work with. And I know some charismatics that I would work with to the end. Um, I think it, I don't know, you know, like go, going back to the labels on cans. Yeah, labels <laughs> are important. But what's what's the food taste like? What's Come what's the inside that can that matters? And when I meet brothers like you and Trent and Nolan and so many others who love Jesus, they love Filipinos. They want to see the church grow. They love the word of God. Those are the kind of people I want to work with. Amen, bro. I, and and man, I just want to echo that so much. So, you know, when when I think of you, Joel, I think of a story that William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, uh, shared one time. There was a uh, two young ladies, Kate and Mary Jackson, who labored in this community. Uh, I think it was somewhere in England. And they worked del- diligently, and the, they were just exhausted at night. And so they wrote William Booth, and they said, would you kindly move us to another station? We're so tired and disheartened. They have, weren't seeing a whole lot of fruit. We've tried everything that we've been taught to do. Please move us to another location. And Booth sent a telegram back to them with two words, try tears. Mm, amen. And you know what they did? And they saw revival come. Yeah, those girls went into uh, travailing, broken prayer, and 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 with that anguish, they they poured out their hearts to the Lord. Whenever I have heard you talk about Muslims and people who don't know the Lord, I've always noticed this this brokenness in your heart, and it and it means a lot to me that you would carry that. How, 
how can that develop? We only got a minute left here. Would you would you just share why it's important, why we need to have a broken heart before God? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, we live in a broken place, and our world is broken. You know, the Muslims and the Catholics and some of the Baptists, you know, we there's such a desperate need for Jesus. And, yeah. you know, even in the States right now, people are complaining, and we see the church, and, and people are frustrated with our culture, blah, blah, blah. We need Jesus, and Jesus is the only way that this yeah. stuff's ever going to get fixed. It's like those those that little house church. The gospel changes people. Yes. When people are changed, their families are changed, and their communities and their nation can be changed. And so I think it's really simple. We just need Jesus, and and the, the world. that's what the world needs. So. Amen. Thank you, Joel, so much. It's just gone by too quickly. But if folks want to pray for you, if they want to support what you do, how can they follow you and find you guys? Yeah, we'd be glad to add people to our newsletter list. Um, my email is heyjoe at mailcentral.biz, B-I-Z. And uh, I'd be glad to communicate with anybody that way. And uh, I'm just, you know, I'm really thankful for you guys, Eric, and for Fire School and y'all's ministry. I'm excited about what the God's, what, about what our Lord is doing in the Philippines. And uh, it's a great adventure we're on. Amen. It's an honor to partner with you, Joel. And so we love you. We love your family and all that God's doing through you guys. Thank you, everyone, for listening and watching today. We pray that you would just be abundantly blessed and allow the Lord to do in your heart what he's calling you to in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Revival Cry with Eric Miller. Please subscribe, rate, and write a review for this podcast on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To find out more or partner with our missions work around the world, please visit us at revivalcry.org. I look forward to being with you next week.